On Friday that week, two days after the celebratory dinner with her father, Barbara was explaining to two boys and their parents that no, she couldn't get them off scot-free, no one else could either. Look, she said patiently, you did it, and you were caught. There are witnesses. You even told the police that you did it. You can't decide now that maybe you were somewhere else that night. They had burned down a porta potty at a construction site. A little beer, a little grass, a dare, boredom, whatever the reason, now they had to take their lumps, and the parents were determined not to let that happen, although both boys seemed prepared to do community service, pay damages out of their own pocket, every penalty the court was likely to impose. Mrs. Lawton, one of the mothers, stood up, her mouth a tight, hard line without lips at the moment. I think we're through here, she said. We're wasting time. You can send us your bill. Barbara nodded and stood up also. She had explained that if they tried to weasel out of it now, their sentence would be tougher than if they stuck to their confessions, expressed remorse, and agreed to pay the price. She knew they could find another attorney who would go along, no problem there, but the kids would still pay, and the price would be upped considerably. She walked out with them through the hallway to the reception room, where she was surprised to see her father chatting with Maria Velasquez her secretary and receptionist, and all-around aid and comfort. She nodded to Frank, escorted the group to the door, and wished them luck. One of the boys looked embarrassed. They were both sixteen, too young to be labeled criminals for a very childish prank. Then she turned to Frank. What's up? Wondered if you have a few minutes, he said. I was going to call, but I was out walking and just dropped in instead. Sure. Maria, knock off any time. I'll close up when I leave. It was 4.30, and if she couldn't determine office hours in her own office, what good was it? Come on in, Dad, and I'll give you a slug of supermarket wine. He winced, but followed her back to her own office and sat down on her couch. He liked her office. It looked busy, with papers on the desk, a plant that needed watering, some coffee cups on the ornate table— it looked busy, but he well knew that her cases these days were mostly nickel-and-dime stuff, minor league stuff, and apparently she had sent the last bunch away empty-handed. He didn't ask about them or their problem. She poured wine, a fairly respectable Pinot Noir from one of the Oregon vineyards. Client gave it to me, she said cheerfully, and it isn't going to keep past about six or seven this evening. He drank most of it, so what the hell, we'll kill the rest. He waited until she sat down and put her feet on the coffee table. If that table had been a priceless heirloom, she would use it for a footrest, he knew. He didn't even raise a disapproving eyebrow. Let me guess, she said then. Your editor called to say it's all a mistake. He was talking about two other books, or he wants you to call it Naked at the Bar, or he suggested it needs a little lurid sex, a few car chases, a dozen shootouts, maybe an explosion or two. He grimaced. All of the above, but we'll talk about them later. Right now, a situation has come up. What do you know about Harris McReady? Regarding him, she sobered instantly. After a moment, she said, Damn all, our own homegrown wunderkind, headed for stardom in the court, way conservative. Why? He told her about Lara Jessup's visit. Then he said, I had Bailey rustle up a quick reading of Vinny's death, 
Just a skim off the top, and it stinks. No one believes in the suicide note. Apparently there weren't any prints on the gun, and the papers he said he was delivering vanished. It stinks. McGreedy says he was at his wife's folks' house all night, and they vouch for that. Her folks are Thomas and Anna Lynch. He added, That's supposed to be Loomis County, but it's really Lynch County. Thomas owns most of the land, and probably all the local government. Barbara sipped her wine, not asking a single question yet, any more than he had interrupted Lara to ask questions. Frank went on. The autopsy revealed death by a gunshot wound to the head, point-blank range, and it also revealed that his cancer had come back in spades, bone cancer. He went through hell with it six or seven years ago, and it came back and probably would have done him in in a few months. He had a lot of codeine in his system. For a moment, they were both silent. Then Frank said, Okay, some history. In 1981, Louis Jessup was indicted for the murder of two kids who had been hiking in the wilderness area around Sisters. Louis was 19, Belle was high, a million, and Vinnie scraped together 100,000 and got his boy out awaiting trial. Vinnie constructed a damn fine brief. He was a good lawyer and did a good job, but he was too smart to try to defend his son in court. He hired Lester DeFeo for that. Barbara raised her eyebrows at the name, and he nodded. In his eighties by now, DeFeo had been one of the best criminal lawyers in the country for more than forty years. It's all in the box. Their correspondence, discovery, everything. They would have gotten him off, I have no doubt. But a few weeks before the trial, Lewis vanished. Depending on whose side you believe, he skipped, or was killed and buried out in the desert. Anyway, Vinnie and his wife lost their ranch, which had been in her family for three generations, and they moved to the town of Salt Creek. She had a nervous breakdown, and never really recovered, and then a series of strokes. So, the string that ties it all to McReady. He was named prosecutor. The ranch was forfeited, Lynch bought it, and within the year, McReady married his daughter, Bethany Lynch. He stopped talking and picked up his wine. Barbara stood up and walked across the office to her desk, not to do anything, but because she had to move. I haven't had time to read much beyond the history part, Frank said. Apparently, Vinnie had it in his head that McReady was directly responsible for all his troubles, and he began to assemble a complete file on him. For what purpose, I don't know. I saw Vinnie back in March, he said reflectively, and told her about the incident. He hated McReady with the kind of raw hatred you don't often see displayed. Obsessional, she said in a low voice.